Cheers. In many ways, this building isn't a house. It's a research facility. I want to talk to you about the greatest scientific event in the history of man. Are you building an AI? You Are Not So Smart is supported by A24 presenting Ex Machina, the provocative new sci-fi thriller that has audiences and critics seduced. Manola Dargis of the New York Times calls it a critic's pick. The futuristic shocker about men, the machines they make, and the women they dream up. Peter Travers of Rolling Stone declares, you've never seen anything like it. Ex Machina, now playing everywhere. You've never been outside this building. We could go together. Did you program her to flirt with me? Do you think about me? If you lie, I will know. No. Lie. Maybe she's pretending to like you. Well, why would she do that? Do you think I might be switched off? Welcome to the You Are Not So Smart Podcast, episode 49. When was the last time that you were rejected? I mean, truly, truly rejected. That that terrible, awful feeling that you get when someone turns you down for a date, maybe, or a relationship comes to a messy end. Maybe you're the last to get picked for something or not picked at all. That's bad. Maybe you didn't get an invitation to the wedding or the funeral or the birthday party. Your friends did something without you. That's bad. Maybe you asked for a a raise and were denied flat out, or you got one of those telling handshakes at a job interview. You know, the one where you, it communicates a hearty thanks, but no thanks. Well, no matter the rejection, whether it's personal or professional, that was real pain that you felt. In fact, in studies where people took either acetaminophen or a placebo every day for a few weeks, and then they experienced moments of social rejection, the subjects that took the actual medication, they reported that the, the pain was not as intense during those uh, moments of rejection. And in brain scanners, scientists could see that, that the telltale typical neural responses that are associated with social rejection were diminished in those people. In fact, the scientists wrote in the research that it seemed as though physical pain, like, you know, stepping on a nail or, or cutting your hand or, or, you know, getting punched in the face, and mental pain, the kind that comes from anxiety and anguish and ostracism, those two things must share similar neural pathways and thus can be dampened by similar drugs. So rejection truly hurts you. I wrote about this a little bit in You Are Now Less Dumb talking about ego depletion because social rejection can lead to people sort of bucking pro-social behaviors. They It takes a lot of effort to be pro-social and rejection can lead to people doing things that they normally wouldn't do. And 
when it comes to social creatures as ourselves, as primates, we're very keen to avoid ostracism. Most scientists would agree that we are biologically built to not only feel pain when it happens, but to feel anxiety over the possibility of it happening. So we avoid that experience. We take measures to prevent it and we stay alert for when it might happen, keeping tabs on things like status and alliances and temperaments and politics, whether those politics are really big or really small. Most primates, especially the apes, are fearful and vigilant when it comes to rejection. We have survived a long time because we stuck together and we know that we won't survive if we get too far apart or we get completely apart and thus banishment can mean death. It's like, it's just like the worst thing that can happen to a social creature like ourselves. In fact, in studies of chimpanzees, it's, it's been noted that they rarely banish each other when, even when they've done really bad things, they will ostracize and they will stop grooming. They'll turn a hairy cold shoulder to the chimpanzee equivalent of a douchebag. but outright banishment is much rarer. They, they have to really do something bad, or it might be one of those power struggles where the alpha is kicked out. And that's when it happens. But normally, normally it's rare. So it makes sense that we too are innately sensitive to the sorts of things that might lead to rejection. Now, for some people, this is not that big of a deal. Some people have no problem attempting things, expecting to fail, expecting rejection. And when they do fall short of their goals, People like that tend to just try again or try something else or go back to the drawing board and improve their efforts. For others, though, this fear of rejection is so intense that they can't bring themselves to even make the attempt or to put themselves in situations that might result in that very real and powerful pain. And so rejection as a mental phenomenon, as a construct of the brain, it can be a very powerful and destructive force in people's lives. So, nature, nurture, everything in between, somehow there is a spectrum of human fearfulness when it comes to rejection. And if you fall on one side, you're more or less fearless, and on the other, it's terrifying. And if you're on that side that is fearful of rejection, it doesn't mean you don't want to take risks, or that you don't see the value of that kind of approach to certain situations. Of course you do. And at times you wish you could be more like those people who can overcome those seemingly appropriate fears. But what do you do about it? How do you change? Well, that's what this gentleman was thinking when he started a very bizarre project. Uh, yeah, my, uh, my name is Jia Jiang. The first name is Jia. Jia wanted to become an entrepreneur ever since he was 14 years old and he saw Bill Gates when Bill Gates came and visited his hometown. And he traveled two years later to the United States to pursue that dream. He got a degree, he got a job, and eventually he turned 30 years old, had a baby, and realized he hadn't done it yet. So he took the plunge and he started his own business. And this is when the rejection struck. Yeah, this whole process started with me um, after years of not starting my business. And I finally took this uh, uh, jump and started my own business. Uh, then I was, uh, you know, as I was building my team and building my, uh, you know, app and business, then I was rejected with the investment. Uh, so, and that really, just, I felt paralyzed after that. It just, I, I couldn't believe how affected I was. Four months into building his business, John needed an investor. He worked very hard to find one, finally found one who seemed to believe in him. And after some courting, 
After putting all of his hopes and dreams on the line, he was told no. No explanation, he said, just a no. And that blow was so crushing that he nearly gave up. He had never experienced that magnitude of rejection and the prospect of repeating that experience, he said, was just too frightening, too painful. And he began to be afraid that he had become afraid and that this new fear would consume him. But it also made him curious. So he hit Google the way most of us do when we have a pain or a malady or some weird physical thing that we want to check on to make sure it's not too serious. And that's how he discovered rejection therapy, which is basically a method of reducing that crippling fear of rejection by just going out and getting rejected in person so often that you desensitize yourself to the fear. And I was like, that's such a fun idea, you know, looking for rejection. I want to try that. This sounded like the perfect plan because in his mind, this is what made people like Bill Gates amazing. They were somehow not scared of rejection. And in a way, it's kind of like their superpower, one that he wanted. And so he began a quest. He would spend 100 days getting rejected in increasingly uncomfortable ways, and he would record the whole thing on YouTube. My name is David McCraney. This is the You Are Not So Smart podcast. And in this episode, we meet the man who earned a superpower by slogging through the pain and fear that keeps so many of us stuck in neutral. The fear of rejection. And you'll hear the interview after this break. Oh man, if you've been listening to the You Are Not So Smart podcast for a while, you know that I love the great courses. I am a huge fan of this company. I, I'm i so happy that they are a, 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 a sponsor of the show because I love every one of these courses that I have listened to and that I've watched so far. And I get to listen to them before I tell you about them. And it's the best. It is the best. Right now, I have been enjoying the great courses series, The Art of critical decision-making. And it's taught by award-winning professor, Michael Roberto. Michael Roberto is a professor of management at Bryant University. He is so great in this. He explains why framing choices is critical to making any kind of decision and how indecision can paralyze us within our culture, which kind of is stuck on just yes, no, or maybe. And I learned a lot about my own decision-making process and how to improve it because he talks all about getting conflict to the place where it can be constructive, how to form uh, debates within yourself and other people to achieve closure, to normalize things like defiance and to look at things in the form of like brainstorming and creativity and inability to decide and all those sorts of things in frames that make that stuff work to make sense of sort of ambiguous situations. It's crazy. It's a whole course on how to make better decisions in your life. Now, if you think of yourself as a lifelong learner, as someone who never stops, that you know, university, high school, whatever, was not the end of the road for you when it came to absorbing things in your great big spongy brain, then The Great Courses is a way to learn about topics that spans 500 subjects, including science, history, philosophy, and all sorts of other great things from top professors and experts in their fields. And I want you to check out The Great Courses for yourself. You can watch or listen to The Great Courses with online downloads and streaming via their apps 
or on DVDs or CDs. And for a limited time, The Great Courses has an offer just for people listening to this podcast. If you order from eight of their best-selling courses, including this one right here, The Art of Critical Decision Making, you will now, right now, get 80% off of the original price. Eight, zero percent. That is nuts. So if you want to get this offer before the limited time expires, and it is limited in the past, I've had people tweet me and say, hey, what happened to that offer? I want to get it. And I was like, you waited too long, but it will come back up in the future. Well, here is that moment. Here's what you do. Order today with my special offer from The Great Courses and go to thegreatcourses.com slash smart. That's thegreatcourses.com slash smart. And now we return to our program. This is the You Are Not So Smart podcast, and our guest in this episode is Jia Zhang. He is an author of a new book called Rejection Proof, and it's all about his quest to become fearless, to become fearless in the face of rejection by going through the experience of being rejected in 100 ever-increasingly horrible ways. You will hear all about that right now. Let's pick his brain. Ja, what is your definition of rejection? My definition of rejection. Um, rejection is as simple as that. Someone saying no to you, right? Um, but the thing is, in conventional thinking, or in not even even conventional, but we all fear this rejection. We'll think it's something a painful, uh, very painful. Uh, we think it's an obstacle. We think it's a roadblock. You know, we think it's an experience we'd rather not to have or forget. But really, to me, I think rejection is an opportunity or an invitation to act and to define to define yourself. You know, uh, it's it's almost like you know someone give hand hand you over a, a dumbbell, right? If you normal people will be like, oh, this is so painful, they just drop it. But when they drop it, they usually drop it on their feet. And and that that hurts them mo- the most. It's like you know when when someone rejects you, you just run away, right? Most people say will just say, okay, that's fine, I'm I'm done, because of how painful it is. But the, you know, but to me now, every rejection is an opportunity, an invitation to act, to negotiate, to learn. Mm-hmm. And so, what would you say are some of like the biggest? What were some of the biggest misconceptions you had about rejection going into this project that have uh, sort of been flipped over for you? Yeah, because when when I first think thought about rejection, I thought I was the only one. I was not maybe not the only one, but I was one of the few people who were afraid of it. Most people are not. But then as I did research and, and with the stories people sent me, um, then I learned, wow, everyone's afraid of rejection. It just you know it's uh, you know just from from someone from the CEOs to the to the every you know to the people who are on the front line, we're all afraid. Of people saying no to us, it's actually ha- it had a rev- uh, evolutionary, uh, you know, lineage. You know, it's back then in the in the times when we're like hunters, or if we don't collaborate, right, we're facing beasts ourselves. You know, uh, wolves and 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 lions. We had to collaborate with each other to to overcome and to live. But, but if someone says no, someone don't like us, someone disapprove of us, that means we're dead. We're outside of the group. But nowadays. We still carry that fear, but nowadays, 
that's not the case anymore. Our, our society, our world is so diverse. We have, you know, one rejection from one person, meaning there's a lot of other people who, who would accept you. So that's the biggest misconception I had, which was I was the only one who had, was afraid of rejection. And also rejection is some sort of thing that is like a, a disease few people have, but it's so universal uh, that everyone has them. Yeah, I saw in one of your talks, you said that you realize, uh, you know, rejection is just it's just a number. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, another misconception I'm thinking is rejection is truth, right? You know, it's like uh, when we're rejected, that really means someone something's wrong with us. But really, rejection is a number game. Is if you ask a hundred people the same question, you might get like you know, uh, you know maybe forty five or fifty five. Forty five say yes, fifty five say no. You know, it's just a number. It's number game. Some of the things you ask might you might need more people. Uh, you might need to talk to a lot more people to get a yes. But there's nothing that's universally accepted or rejected, no matter how good or how bad your idea is. If you want to accept this, you just have to talk to enough people. And in the meantime, you don't give up because uh, you feel rejections are too painful. Mm-hmm. So um, um, I've seen you say, uh, call the fear of rejection an irrational emotion. What do you mean by it being irrational? Okay, being irrational is because I, I mentioned that, you know, we had this um, thing, in our, we had this fear in our DNA, basically. And, and we thought, we tell ourselves all kinds of stories to confirm with that fear, you know, and we're like, oh, my rejection is so painful. I don't want that person to say no to me. And, he's, he's, and he or she's going to say no to me. So maybe I just don't ask. So you feel comfortable. You just don't ask, right? It's almost like to avoid a negative, that in itself becomes positive. But this is irrational because the worst thing you can do is to reject yourselves um, and, and not even give yourself a chance. Most of times when you, when you ask people something, you have a chance to, say, to get a yes, whether that's like 50 or 60% or there sometimes it's rare, it's like 10 to 20%, but you give yourself a chance when you make that request at least. But when you reject yourself, you give yourself no chance. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's just not. But, the, but in the meantime, you feel comfortable because that's how our brain works. You want to stay in that comfort zone. So that's why you reject yourselves. But I want to tell I want to tell everyone that don't do that. Don't reject yourself. If someone, if you're gonna be rejected, get rejected by other people and by the world, not by yourself. <laughs> That's good advice. So, tell me, um, tell me a little bit about how this fearbuster.com, how this whole project got started. Yeah, this whole process started with me um, after years of not starting my business, and I finally took this uh, uh, jump and started my own business. Uh, then I was, uh, you know, as I was building my team, building my, uh, you know, app and business, and I was rejected with the investment. Uh, so, and that really, just, I felt paralyzed after that. It just, I, I couldn't believe how affected I was by this rejection. Um, it, it was, also, it was also because I wanted this thing so bad, and 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 it affected me so much. But I thought, hey, I'm a pretty smart dude, you know. I'm I'm uh, I'm tough, you know. I I should be able to handle this. Even I, I, even I prepare myself mentally, I was still hurt. That's when I learned that if I want to be a better entrepreneur, if I want to be better at just anything, you know, in a, a professional or I need to be 
I need to overcome this fear of a, of a rejection. I can't let this thing paralyze me like what it did. So that's why I started doing uh, learning what are the ways you can overcome rejection. And uh, there was this website called the rejectionfear.com. It's by this uh, uh, you know guy named Jason Comley. It's a re- it's a game. It's a card game. Basically, ask you to um, go out and get um, uh, get rejection so you can desensitize yourself from from the pain. And I was like, that's such a fun idea, you know, looking for rejection. I, I want to try that. But I want to put my own stamp and spin on it. You know, I wanted to come up with my own uh, rejection uh, attempts. I want to make it fun. I want to uh, record this thing with my iPhone. And uh, I want to put this on on a blog. Uh, I named this Fear Buster because I was trying to bust my own fear. Um, and um, um, I want to share with the world so people would hold me accountable. Otherwise, I would quit. And so that's how things started. Me getting rejected every day for 100 days and re- I film, uh, recording every, uh, recording all the videos for me getting rejected and put them on YouTube. And so, what what were your like? What were your goals? And, and did you have any rules for yourself as well? Yes, um, my goal was uh, my goal to start with was to, I just want to get rejected 100 times, you know. And in the meantime, I can I can become. Uh, you know, uh, like a tough SOB, you know, <laughs> and I want to be a, I want to be a badass, you know, no one can uh, affect me anymore. That's my original goal. And, uh, but as it progressed, you know, things started to change, you know, we went go deeper into that. Um, I found people started to say yes to me. And I started learning all the possibilities in the world saying, you know, if you just put yourself out there and ask for things. And that, and also you can learn so much, you know, I, I went to a pretty good business school, you know, and I, but I felt, Throughout this 100 days, I learned so much about, you know, uh, communication or negotiation or business or just human nature than I ever did before. So um, that so the goal of the program, the project changed from just toughen myself up to actually just ask and see what happens and learn as much as I can from it. But the rule I made for myself was I want to be um, make sure this is legal uh, you know, I, I don't <laughs> ask for <laughs> I don't get, ask for something that's uh, that will land either me or the per, the other person in jail. That's not good. Uh, and also, this thing has to be physically possible. You know, I can't ask people to fly out the window with me. Um, but also, lastly, I want to make sure this thing doesn't undermine my 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 family. You know, it has to be moral. You know, like when people think about this, a lot of people are saying, "Hey, why don't you just go out and ask for the prettiest girl?" I'm like, I would love to do that if I were if I were single, but I'm happily married and I can't do that. Mm-hmm. So these are the rules I set for myself. So I'm looking, I looked over your list and you can look at all this at your website. And, um, I, one of the things I loved is when watching your videos, uh, or watching you on, um, and different things uh, is that whenever you get the rejection, you say, yes, this is a success. And so you've, that reframing is so well done so that when you get rejected, then your project is successful in this endeavor. And it's, it's like, you've completely, um, uh, you're, you're completely manipulating your own response to what a rejection even is. And I, th- I think that's really cool. Um, and you started small, you started with like a hundred, you asked for a hundred dollars from a stranger. How, how did that go? <laughs> it was, it was scary as hell, <laughs> you know, because when I haven't done this, be- I haven't done this before. It's the first day. And I, I, I I ask a uh a, a, like it's a security guard looking guy uh in my office building I you know and I say can I borrow a hundred dollars all he said was no and then he asked me why 
And then I, at, at the moment, I, I was running away. I was running away already because I was. It was so painful. I was so scared. Uh, and uh, you know, I just, I just got out. You know, I just got myself out of there. But I feel this is what most people do when they hear a no. They just want to end the conversation as quickly as possible because this is so painful and so scary. You know, then that night I, you know, I went home and started analyzing myself using my, using the, uh, you know, the video because I recorded myself and and before uploading on YouTube, I saw how scared I was. I'm like, you don't have to be that scared. You can stand up straight and be confident and have a conversation with this guy. And you know, for heaven's sake, he asked you why. That means he wanted. He's intrigued. You might tell him a reason. You might chat with him, make a joke, whatever. Don't run away. So. So, you know, so that's the really, you know, the, the, the switch, uh, the, you know, the light bulb switch uh, went, went off pretty quickly. You know, I started just experimenting and, uh, you know, and, and, and learning and did all kinds of things afterward. Yeah. And it seems like you really got kicked off whenever you did the, uh, the Olympic donut thing. Uh, could you sort of say, uh, explain what happened there? Yeah, that was, uh, you know, day three. So basically I went to a Krispy Kreme, you know, uh, well, it matters where you are in the country, but Krispy Kreme, uh, Krispy Kreme is really popular in the southern part of the country. And I, I lived in Austin at the time. There are a lot of Krispy Kremes. And, and uh, so I went in there and said, can you link five donuts together and make them look like, you know, Olympic rings? Um, again, this is day three. And, and that moment, I thought there's no way they're going to say yes to that. Let me get in there. Let me uh, maybe hear a no and make a couple jokes and leave. But the thing is the the donut maker there, she took me so seriously. Her name is Jackie, and she was like, "Oh, okay. What what does what does it look like? You know, and what are the colors? You know, and how? Let me think about how I can use our uh you know machines to make it happen so it doesn't fall apart. Huh? How long do you need it? Like, when do you need this by? So she took me so seriously, and almost like no matter what I say, she's gonna do it. And then she did it. In 15 minutes, she came out with a, a box of donuts that looked like the Olympic rings. It just floors me. So if you go to my website or, um, or if you go just search on Google, uh, you, you're going to find that episode. The, the, I mean, that, that, that video had over like 5 million views. It, it was pretty amazing. It, it is amazing because um, you see in each, you know, as you get closer and closer to day 100, that you learn all these little tricks and you, and you say, well, next time I should, maybe I should ask them why, or maybe next time I shouldn't approach a group of people, but try to single out one person. And you start pulling in, um, you know, some wisdom from different sources and you get better and better at it. Uh, when you try to get to the front of the line on, on Black Friday at Best Buy, you try <laughs> to do a weather forecast on local television to slide down a fire pole, um, get your hair trimmed at PetSmart. Uh, yes, <laughs> it, they're so great. Uh, what, what were some of the requests that were not rejected, other than the Olympic rings? Yeah, there are there are actually there are more requests that are not rejected than the ones that were. So it really really surprised me. So you know, I, I'll give an example. You know, I went to uh, um, Southwest. Uh, I mean, I was flying right. I flew Southwest, and uh, I'm I was like, you know, um, I want to give a safety announcement. Instead of, you know, I hear safety announcement from the flight attendants all the time. But, you know, they were boring and I was checking my phones anyway. But I want to give a safety announcement. I'll see what happens. So I went and asked and they're like, you can't do the safety announcement because by law you have to be sitting there when you make the announcement. But you can say, have a greeting. You can greet our customers. 
So I'm like, what? <laughs> you know. So I went there. I started, you know, uh, giving a talk uh, in front of the 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 in front of in front of playing. That was pretty scary in itself, but it was fun. Uh, so that's one thing. Another thing is I went and knock on a stranger's door and then try to play soccer in someone's backyard. And uh, and and the other person said yes. So I, <laughs> I couldn't believe that. And and the thing is, I learned so much from all these things. And I, you know, that my book is all about learning. I mean, uh, you know, what I learned. It's like you know, there are so many things that can happen when you hear word no. The the worst again, the worst thing you do is to drop the dumbbell and let it drop. You know, hurt your foot. But once you, you know, once you don't run. You can say, for example, you can ask them, Mando, why, you know, Mando, why you're, you're, you know, uh, saying no, is there any way I can help you or you can help me uh, to, to make this happen? So once you start collaborating with people, the chances of you getting a yes goes way up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so what, um, you know, like, in, let's say you take what you've learned, some of these lessons you've learned, how do you think they could be applied to, say, like a professional setting, to, to uh, a corporate setting or a business setting? Someone's trying to achieve uh, some really tangible goals. What are some things you've learned you think that would uh, apply to someone in a scenario like that? Yeah, I, 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 can, I, can, I can give an example. So in, uh, by statistically say, most, you know, the majority of Americans don't ask for a raise. You know, and but when when you do ask for a raise, you know, like seventy percent of people get something. So uh, the reason we don't ask for raises is where part of that is we don't like the conflict. We're afraid of getting rejection. We feel we're not ready, but you know we should. So we should go if we feel we've done a good job or feel we've done a decent job. We should ask for a raise. And when we do that, though, it doesn't have to be give me a raise or I'll, or I'll leave. You know, or or do it very uh, in a very unha- you know in a very unhappy manner. So one of the things I advocate in the book is you got you have to give your reason. You know, um, so you know, as for the risk, you can say you know I I think I've done um, pretty well, and uh, you know, and I, it will help me that if I have this added income because I want to buy a house or because you know. So so give your reason for this. Or, uh, and then if you hear a word no, they say, oh, our budget is tight. You know, we, we can't do this. What you can do is you start collaborating. You're like, you know, okay, how can we make this happen? Because this would mean a lot to me to, uh, for both my family, but also to to myself to show that I'm appreciated at work. I really enjoy the work. I want to be, I want to stay here. What, what are the ways we can work together to make this happen? So you start collaborating and making a goal. Uh, so now, uh, you know, uh, maybe a performance goal or, or uh, you know, some, some business goal you're trying to, trying to set. So, the, you know, so, so here are, yes, and so here are some reasons you can do. Or when, when you hear a no, then instead of running away saying, you know, okay, that's fine, or getting angry, what you can say is, if you can't do this, maybe you can try something. Maybe can you help me th- with this? Can you do this for me? Um, so, um for example, you know, this is a hundred in my hundred days of rejection. I I tried this over and over again. I got a lot of stuff. It's when I asked for something, they said no, and I said, uh, if you can't do this, can you do this? So so I was in a hotel and I asked them to have a free night. They said uh, no, <laughs> but I'm like, okay, if you can't do that, can I actually have a free tour and take a nap? And and they were like, sure, you can do it. So they took me to a model. They they took me to a room and and I took a quick nap and then I left. 
And, uh, <laughs> so, but that's but the, all all these things have so much application in business and sales. Uh, if you just if you are just willing to learn and try try them out. So after um a hundred a hundred days of this, do you feel like it worked? Do you feel like you are uh, more of a badass that you have developed some sort of power that you didn't have before? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is it's it's amazing. You know, I'm I'm never. I mean, I'm not this person who do rely on self help. You know, because I I didn't really believe in it. You know, so like it's how you can transform yourself. I like stuff. I can do that. That's the reason this uh, whole hundred days of rejection. I was drawn to it because I get to do something and have some fun, right? But after one hundred days, right now, I can basically ask any anything from anyone anywhere, and uh, you know, and and I know you have the right attitude for both toward the person I'm asking the giving the request to, and also to myself. I will now feel bad about it, and and usually I will get a lot of stuff, you know, so just by asking. That's, that's great. And, and have you maybe have you maybe learned anything about? Uh, let's say you're in a, you're in a situation one day where you are going to be facing someone who is asking something of you, and you must reject their offer. Have you learned anything about a better way to deliver rejection? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I was I was looking for rejection. You know, I was rejected about forty nine times, I think. And of those rejections, some of them felt you know, not too good, you know, and, but some rejections, I left that shop or you know, that conversation as a fan of that person, you know, so, uh, I, so I learned there are good rejections and bad rejections. So for example, the uh, really good rejectors, they, they give out, I mean, first of all, they're respectful. The lot, the worst thing you want to do is to, to, to belittle someone while saying no to them. That's the word. When you're doing that, you're inviting you're you're inviting revenge. You're inviting anger, and that you know we don't want any of that. Um, so if you if you say no respectfully, but also if you can provide alternatives, uh, that's a huge thing. So you know, in, in one of my uh, rejection attempts, I, I went into a twenty four hour witness a uh, fitness and uh, asked them to, hey, can I can can I have a um, can you give me a free training session? Uh, I in turn I can I can uh, teach you something as well. And the person said no, he's not interested in what I was teaching, and and uh, he he also couldn't do it. But also, but he's like, you know what? I have a friend who also owns this business, this this private gym. She's not bound by this legal obligation with twenty four hour fitness, and I'm sure she can do it for you. And uh, you know, so so he provided me with the alternative to getting what I want. And so I, you know, leaving that 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 gym, and I felt, wow, this guy really know how to give rejections, because I knew I knew he was rejecting my request, and he was not rejecting me. And most people can't make that differentiation. Mm. That's fascinating, um, and awesome. I love your book is going to be so fantastic. I'm gonna, um, Thank you have you uh when it comes to um, you know, there's a phrase that you know the worst. Don't just go ahead and ask. The worst they can say is no. Do you do you agree with that, or is there more to it than that? No, I don't agree with that actually. Because the worst thing that can happen is you say no to yourself. Uh-huh. Um, I, I I believe that you know so so you know what I the worst rejection in the world are self rejections. Meaning we tell these because of the fears we have, we tell these stories to ourselves 
why we should not uh, make the request. Uh, we want to be comfortable. We want to, you know, we want to, um, yeah, we, we, we don't want to be rejected. So we want to be comfortable. And that in itself, we're missing out so much, so much uh, opportunities in life. You know, there's the, upper, uh, there's the other side saying sometimes you shouldn't ask for things. You know, I, I think we should be, you know, in some cases, yes, if we keep asking our friends for $100, and that's, we're going to have no friends left, right? But the thing is, we let the pendulum swing so much to the other side where we just we reject ourselves left and right in fear we're going to be rejected by others mm-hmm. so I, I do think the worst thing to happen is for us to say no to ourselves i totally agree with you on all this because um when i first when i started this show uh is very it's similar to, to when you were like starting your project and i said um i was fans of all these other programs and that who had these really famous guests and i wondered how they got those people to come on the show and i was like maybe i'll just ask them and so uh i can i can honestly say that i've only ever received like two or three no's and i can uh i'm pretty much and here's the thing i've never emailed anyone uh no matter how famous they were and not received an email back that at least said i can't do this right now there's here's why i can't do it i wish i could help you uh, and it's pretty amazing if you actually just take, just go ahead and give it a shot and, uh, and you get better and better at that, you know, asking for advice, asking for, uh, whatever it is you're looking for, the more you interact with people. So, uh, it, I totally, uh, love the idea behind your project. I think it's going to put some really, uh, some good information out there. Yeah, David, thank you. And, and I totally agree with what you were saying. Uh, you know, sometimes we feel like, you know, why would anyone talk to us, right? They're all busy. They're all, if, especially some of the people you're interviewing, they're, you know, maybe they're famous. They're going to be going to be the busiest people in the world. But you have to know that they, they all, sometimes they want to talk to you because they want to let their message out. They want, they believe in their message. Uh, they want to tell people about, what they're doing, you know, it's like, I'll give you an example. One day, uh, that I was, uh, I was trying to fly, I went to a air airfield. I'm trying to ask a pilot, can I fly your plane? <laughs> just, just, just point blank. Can I fly your plane? And, and, uh, because I thought at that moment, I'm like, there's no way I would get a yes out of this. And the person said, Oh, sure. Yeah, of course. I'll teach you how to do this. So it turned out he owned, he owned a gyro plane. It's like a very small, uh, aircraft. But he couldn't. Uh, he he can't wait to show me this, and he want not just me. He want the whole world to know how awesome gyroplanes are, and so it was like you know he has <laughs> incentive and interest in telling the world. But I was there for sure, knowing I would get rejected. So is this stories we tell ourselves that that prevent us from doing what what we want? You know, but why not give a try? Why not ask? Yeah. Well, so. I love your project. I know people are going to want to um, keep up with you and discover stuff that you've done. Uh, how can they find you uh, on the internet? Yeah, they can find me on fearbuster.com. All right, yeah. Fearbuster.com. So let me say, uh, uh, so let me ask you this first. Um, sure. This, so the episode will come out. Uh, w- w- so when would this come out? Uh, you wanted me to, to push it forward. So I've got, I have some stuff already recorded. So I'll put it at the very end of my queue and try to put it as close to your book release as possible. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, how, how about, how about this? Can I make something for, I'll have a page for your audience. Like not, <laughs> is, is that okay? I would, because I love, I, I listen to some of your things and I, I love this, uh, like this 
public <laughs> not smart and this this you know and exploring uh, irrationality and so uh, I will I will make a page for your audience and just uh, it's fearbuster.com slash not smart that sounds perfect and uh, you are you have become an expert at this <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you just uh, you just yeah. you just so mind Jedi mind tricked me so hard that's uh Excellent. Yeah. Yes. That, that sounds like a good, I will collaborate in that way and we will do it that way. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> and I can make a special video for your audience and that, that, that are, you know, that, that want to maybe know more and, uh, about the book and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll make a, I'm a make, I'll make a video. That sounds great. Um, I'm all, I'm totally down with it. And, um, for people who want to know what you're going to be doing next, what's next? Well, first of all, my book, um, comes out, uh, on April 14th and, um, and uh, when the book comes out, and I, the book is really a, my story, uh, and plus all the learnings I've learned. And there are like tons of tips in, and lessons about how you can turn no's into yeses and how to not be afraid of rejection and how to move forward in life. And, and so, but the next is, is from the book, there are people, a lot of people are doing this on their own right now. You know, they saw my video, they're recording this, uh, their own rejection journey. And, but they constantly ask me questions about how do I come up with ideas or what, you know, how do I record this? So I'm building something called Rejection Gym. Um, uh, because I believe that um, your courage to ask for things is like a muscle. Right? It's, it's not born with. You have to keep exercising this. So I'm building an online course called Rejection Gym. It will teach you and, and guide you through a, you know, a lot of uh, learnings and lessons, but also exercises. And so you can do this yourself and become fearless. That is great. I, uh, I really look forward to seeing what you do with all of this. Uh, and... I love that you've sort of leveled up your entrepreneurship and you are, um, you really are making things happen in your life that you've always want to have happen. I wish you great success, ma'am. All right. Thank you, David. Thanks a bunch. Me too. Me too. Thank you. Bye-bye. And now a word from our sponsor. You Are Not So Smart is supported by Wealthfront, the automated investment service that makes it easy to invest your money the right way. Wealthfront software manages your money using investment strategies that were previously only available to the wealthiest of investors for just one quarter of the cost of using a traditional advisor. Wealthfront monitors your account 24-7, automatically rebalancing your portfolio, reinvesting dividends, and working to maximize your after-tax returns. Wealthfront is also overseen by a team of investment experts, the same experts who launched the Index Fund Revolution and who've written some of the most important books in finance. Now, in case you're not convinced, you should know that Wealthfront manages more than $2 billion in client assets and has saved millions of dollars on taxes for its clients. So with Wealthfront watching over your investments every day, what will you do with all your extra time? Visit Wealthfront.com slash smart to get your first $10,000 managed for free. Okay, we have to read the next part fairly quickly, so let's do it. Wealthfront Incorporated is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are offered through Wealthfront Brokerage Corporation, member FNRI and SIPC. This is not a solicitation to buy or sell securities. Investing in securities involves risks, and there is the possibility of losing money. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Please visit Wealthfront.com to read their full disclosure. Oh, yeah. 
And now we return to our program. In each episode, before I eat a cookie baked from one of your recipes, I discuss some self-delusion news. And in this episode, the news is about some strange new evidence that suggests we are unaware of the influence of laughter when it comes to self-disclosure and intimacy and group dynamics and all that kind of stuff. Because in general, none of the sciences from biology to neuroscience really has a clear understanding of the function of humor or laughter. Uh, it ha- probably has a, 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 an evolutionary advantage or there's some sort of biopsychosocial influence that it has over our interactions, but we don't know for sure. At this point, we are still in the evidence collecting and rabid speculation period, which is the best period when it comes to, you know, studying this sort of stuff. And so when it comes to researching jokes and giggling and comedy, we're still kind of at the beginning. But the hypothesis endorsed by many in the social sciences is that laughter functions to strengthen social bonds among the people doing that laughing, like together in a a small group in a room. And it also helps to regulate the flow of conversation by coloring our language in a way that makes our meaning or our intentions more clear. That natural tendency and behavior can then be turned into an art form by professional comedians. But what they're doing on stage and in movies and on television is sort of piggybacking on what we naturally do in our groups. You can sort of think of it like, you know, we eat and we get hungry and we put food in our mouths no matter what. It's a biological drive, but we can elevate that to a civilized, culturally affected art form with restaurants or in family situations or by professional chefs, that sort of thing. So this new research is published in the March, 2015 issue of the journal human nature. And it seems to show that when we laugh at a comedian, it can then influence us to be more willing to experience intimacy and to disclose personal information with the other people who are near us physically when we're laughing at that stranger on, on stage or in the television or up on the movie screen or whatever. So, um, I first heard about this, in the digest of the British Psychological Society under the headline, After Laughing, People Are More Willing to Share Personal Details About Themselves. But if you'd like to read the full paper, you can find it titled Laughter's Influence on the Intimacy of Self-Disclosure. And I'll have links to both of those at the website. The researchers are Alan W. Gray, Brian Parkinson, and Robin I. Dunbar. And what they did is they had subjects watch one of three videos, either a comedian's routine, a segment from a nature show, or a golf instructional video. And then they were asked to provide five pieces of personal information that they would be willing to share with the other people in the room, the other people who had watched that same video with them. And what they found was that the people who watched the comedy, they were the people, you know, who had laughed. And they were also the people who were most likely to provide details. They provided more details than the other groups. And those details were more intimate. And as the BPS Digest points out, the scientists believe that laughter is, quote, grooming at a distance, end quote. And even though that shared laughter was evoked by a video and not by the people in the room themselves, it still powerfully affected those subjects and bonded them in a way that allowed them to share things. It encouraged them to disclose and to share things with strangers that the other groups did not. So this is new evidence that suggests that laughing has a powerful influence over our behavior and that influence has to do with group dynamics, disclosure, and intimacy. And if you'd like to read more about it, I'll have links at the website. 
Now, what starts with the letter C? Cookie starts with C. Let's think of other things that starts with C. Uh, ah, who cares about other things? C is for Cookie. On each episode of the You Are Not So Smart podcast, I eat a cookie baked from a recipe sent in by a listener or a reader or a fan or someone who just loves cookies as much as me and wants to uh, to get a signed copy of the book because that is what happens if I pick your cookie and we eat it. Uh, you get a signed copy of You Are Not So Smart or You Are Now Less Dumb. And this episode, the cookie is from Carly Alter. And these cookies are called Swedish cookies. She writes, I am fairly new to the podcast, but I listen to about four or five episodes a week. I'm catching up pretty quickly. I love listening. It helps me decompress after work and gives me fun facts to share with coworkers. Uh, she really liked the episode about bodily resonance and the effects of severing the left and right brains. Blew everyone's mind at work. Oh, yes. She also says she's a big baker and has been thinking on what sort of recipe to send in for a couple of weeks now. And she said she wanted to send in something that I have not ever had before. And it's tough because I have a lot of different strange cookies. That's true, I do. And this recipe is one she says she ate growing up. Her mother made them for them whenever she went over to uh, her mother's, her friend's mother made them for her every time she went over to their house. And it's such a great cookie. She has great childhood memories about these cookies. And uh, she also said she asked for permission for the woman who made these to uh, give in the uh, the recipe. So these are good. These are all, of course, best right out of the oven. And I can attest to that. I have had one already out of the oven. It is insane and so good. The best part of these cookies, she said, is that um, they have a completely different taste sort of after they've cooled. And she recommends dipping them in milk. So these cookies, I can tell you the texture of them whenever you're putting them together is like that play sand, the sand, uh, the that kinetic sand, I think is, is that what it's called? That lets, um, that sort of new version of Play-Doh, the sandy stuff. And it's because the ingredients are so simple. It's just butter, white sugar, honey, flour, and baking soda. Yes, that's it. And you cream the butter and, you, and the sugar and the honey together. You add the flour and the baking soda to make the dough and... You can either make them into balls or you can make it into like this long snake. And when it comes out of the oven, you can chop that snake up into like squares or little rectangles. So we did both. I have some right here in front of me. We're going to taste it right now. Oh boy. Here we go. Oh man. That. (laughs) Oh man. So if you've ever thought, um, you know, they have this this phrase in French, the um, le père du vide, uh, and I'm not great at French, so forgive me, but it means the call of the void or the pull of the void. It's that sort of weird feeling you get sometimes where you, you think you could just drive right into a tree uh, while you're driving down the interstate, or you will jump down a staircase, or just weird things. Like you, you look, you're at a great height, and you just think, I'll just jump off of this. And you're like, why would I ever think to do something that crazy? And sometimes... When I have a stick of butter in front of me, I have this strange uh, call of the void feeling where I just want to take that stick of butter and just eat it like a banana. But I don't. <laughs> but I think that this cookie is kind of satisfying that pull because it is so buttery. It basically it tastes like just you just mix butter and sand together. I I imagine if you took in just a handful of sand and you poured liquid butter into it and then mushed that into your mouth, it would be similar to this. But please don't do that. Hold on. Mm, another bite because it's so damn good. Um, yeah, this is so easy to make. Like, of all the things that have been on the podcast, mm, 
so good. Of all the things that have been on the podcast, this is probably the easiest cookie of all. Um, simple ingredients. You probably have all, all these ingredients already in your house. So immediately go out, get your butter, your sugar, your honey, your flour, your baking soda, and make these fantastic Swedish cookies. I agree, Carly. You did it. You made me very happy. And now that happiness will spread out into the world. And none of us will have to eat butter straight out of the refrigerator anymore. You have answered the call of the void with these beautiful, wonderful Swedish cookies. Thank you. Um, the recipe and all the information about these will be at the website at youarenotsosmart.com. That is it for this episode of the You Are Not So Smart podcast. Head to boingboing.net for more great podcasts like this one and head to youarenotsosmart.com, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or iTunes to listen to all of the previous episodes of this show. You can support this show by going to Patreon, patreon.com slash youarenotsosmart. If you go to Patreon and you help us out, help us make more shows, help us make bigger shows. You can get more shows like the contact episode that was the previous one to this. And there's an episode coming up that will be kind of like that based off of some of the interviews that you didn't get to hear and some of the extra information from the research. But Patreon is where you go to help make more of that stuff happen. Send cookie recipes to David at youarenotsosmart.com. Find us on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, it's at NotSmartBlog. I'm at David McRaney. Opening music is Clash by Caravan Palace. Music beds are by Banjo Apocalypse. You Are Not So Smart is supported by Wealthfront, the automated investment service that makes it easy to invest your money the right way. It automatically rebalances your portfolio and reinvests your dividends all commission-free. Wealthfront manages more than $2 billion and has saved millions on taxes for its clients. Visit Wealthfront.com slash so smart to get your first $10,000 managed for free.